listening to the Money Monopolizers Podcast, helping you take control of your financial destiny. It's about time that we invest more in our financial literacy and work towards building generational wealth. If you think you're ready to do the same, then you've come to the right place. Alex, Marlon, y'all ready? Let's get this bread. What's good, everybody? It's Alex Kamunya here. We are back with episode 98 of the Money Monopolies podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Marlon Walls. Marlon, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good today. As far as when people are listening to this, I'll probably be asleep from the vacation we just got finished uh, being on. So I'm super excited. For one, we're doing this before the uh, vacation starts. So um, I can't tell you that exactly how I'm going to feel by then, but I'm super excited for it, though, because it's been a long time coming. I think we mentioned it last week that we haven't taken one since, like, all, like all five of us since, like, three years ago. So y'all haven't taken one. Yeah, so now, <laughs> now I'm talking about with all, with all of us together. Like, we, I've been on a couple with you. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like all of us are going on together, like I'm super excited for this, man. Like, I don't know. Wait, when's the last one you we, you were on with me? LA. Man, that was that was over two <laughs> that years. Was, like, that was, so 18 was Miami, 19 was LA, 20 was Hawaii. Yeah, you wasn't in Hawaii. I know. So I didn't go to. I only missed one. That's what I'm saying. You like, didn't go to Mexico either. You nobody went. <laughs> I went. Nobody <laughs> but you went. So but y'all had the opportunity. Y'all had the opportunity to go though. <laughs> can't nobody hang with you because, especially not where I was at. I was in my I was in my jail cell at the time. So, yeah, was, no, no, that was August. You was back home. When? Oh no, like, no, no, yeah, because co- that was uh, when COVID like was still like. Yeah, I mean, y'all was all y'all was scared yeah, of COVID. Yeah, we weren't we weren't rocking with it back then. There was no vaccine or nothing, but. Nah, y'all was y'all was all scared. That's fine though. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad to see you still made it back alive, man. That's all, all that matters. Good. Uh, everything good though, man. By this time, also, I should have should be living in the house. So this will probably be my last episode that I record here. I'm hoping that it is at least. So I'm super excited to get move to like move on finally and be able to really get my own space to rock and just focus in and just like work work on business work on bettering myself work on this podcast work on the like content that's all i'm looking forward to doing like as soon as i get moved out because i just know how my mind is going to work it's and I t- that's why i'm so big on getting your own place as like as far as like especially like young men young women just like once you move out it's that's like a, it's a whole mentality shift that's why i think if you don't go to college at least go get your own place away from your parents because that allows you to con- just have a sense of ownership, a sense of um, responsibility that you didn't have before. Like I haven't, I probably haven't cooked more than a handful of times since I've been here the past year. It's a and shame. It's a shame, but like <laughs> I'm very consciously aware of it. I'm like, yo, if I'm consciously aware of it and still not doing it, imagine people that are not consciously aware and they're just living their life like, oh, this is just normal everyday life. Like, that's why I can encourage it, because until you move out, you don't re- realize how much of a, I guess, quote unquote, a dependent you are. But once you move out, like you have to do things for yourself and that allows you to grow. So that's why I'm super excited just to move on, because I just know what it's going to do for my mindset. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, man, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, we had a really good episode today uh, with Mr. Tim Jackson. It was a great, great conversation that we had with him about um you know his real estate business and also some of the things he's doing as far as teaching people how to get out of debt and uh you know some of the other things he's working on man it was it was nice what'd you think of it 
No, he had a really, it was a really good episode. Like one thing I liked about him is that he knows his target audience really well. And I think that that's like one thing that um, is important as like an influencer or like a content creator or somebody that's trying to impact people. You need to know who you're talking to. And for him, he knows that he's talking to somebody that is not necessarily already on a path to financial freedom. They're actually on a path to nowhere. And like they need to get on the right path. Like they may be a mountain high in debt. They may have bad spending habits. And he's just trying to address like the fundamentals first. Like before we can start investing in real estate, before we can start starting businesses, we need to attack the debt. We need to attack your spending habits, see where you're spending money at, um, why you're not able to start uh, stacking up and saving up to afford investments. So before we get to, before we can run, we have to learn how to walk first. And that's kind of what his entire message is. And I think that it has this, it definitely has this place in society because a lot of people are not at the level of being, just being ready to go and start investing or starting a business like right off the gate. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So let's get into it. Tim, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing this evening? Doing well, doing well. We're happy to uh, have you on here. This is another guest that we, um, you know, met last, uh, last, yeah, last weekend at the um, event out in Dallas, the Bosses and Brunch event. So, man, it's a, just a, a, so dope to, you know, go to those kind of events and just be able to network with individuals like yourself, man. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Andre Hatcher, shout out Andre Hatcher. He connected us. And, uh, you know, he we definitely, I mean, you got a lot going on that we definitely want to get into. And, uh, yeah, man, so... Really, how we how we start all these episodes is we really want to get into, you know, your background and kind of like, uh, you know, what you saw growing up, especially in regards to money, what you were doing, you know, when you were 18 years old and then kind of how you transitioned into, you know, where you are today and how you got to where you are today. Because obviously, you know, we brought you on here for a reason and, you know, you're not just doing nothing regular. So, uh, you know, we got to get into all that. So can you can you could just start from there and then we'll just have a conversation. Well, absolutely. And first and foremost, I want to say to you guys, man, it's it's an honor and a pleasure to be here, Marlon and Alex. You all are doing some some great things with the culture. It's always good to connect with people. You mentioned Andre. Andre's like the the connection, man. You know, he's a plug when it comes to this, uh, you know, getting stuff done business. So it's always a pleasure to be here. But let me tell your audience a little bit about myself. For those who don't know me, my name is Timothy Jackson. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. I am an author. I'm also uh, a real estate broker. I've been in real estate for, shoot, nearly two decades now, 17 years in the Dallas-Fort Worth market um, uh, as a broker and an agent uh, operating my own real estate company. I, I like to think I'm a retired real estate agent now because I'm focusing more so on the, the documentary that I'm making and my wife is running the business. But, uh, you know, I when I graduated high school, I, I went into the United States Air Force. And after that, I came back home, um, got into uh, to the banking industry and worked in banking for a couple of years then transitioned over to the tech industry worked in tech uh and then from there i, I started my own business and uh here i am today you know currently I'm, I'm the sitting zoning commissioner in dallas texas for district seven um so yeah that's me in a nutshell i have so many op things i do I operate a nonprofit organization as well uh, called real youth mentoring uh, where we teach young boys how to be entrepreneurship uh, entrepreneurs leaders and just better uh, uh members of the community and uh, we give out scholarship every year. So uh, that's me and another. That's my, my one minute or two minute elevator speech. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so how, 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 like, obviously, like growing up, then, you know, uh, what, what, where are you from, actually? Where'd you grow up? I'm born and raised in Dallas, Texas, man. Pleasant Grove, to be exact. You know, I got to put that out there, you know, saying yeah. so I'm from the Grove. Okay, got you, got you. So, growing up, did you kind of, was it, as far as like your household, was it like you had both parents in the house? 
was it a situation where like they they you know they you saw certain things that kind of encouraged you to do what you were doing today in terms of entrepreneurship or was it like more straightforward in terms of like yo your parents just telling you yo you need to go to school go to the military do something but don't you know just be out here you know off of you know just trying to do stuff figure out what you want to do and you know go do something what was that dynamic like you know that that's a great question so so growing up uh my mother remarried uh so i had a stepfather so I always saw two hardworking individuals uh, as it relates to going into the military. Uh, majority of people from my paternal side, I have a lot of military veterans on that side. My grandfather, uh, in fact, went to the Air Force. So uh, that was one of the reasons I went to kind of follow in his footsteps. And, uh, you know, I just just been around a lot of people who were in the military. I mean, even on my mother's side, uh, a lot of people had gone to the, the military as well. But for me growing up, I saw hard work. You know, I saw two people get up every day and just go to work and grind. Uh, I, I always tell people, man, I didn't grow up uh, rich. I didn't grow up poor. You know, I, I kind of fell in that middle spectrum where, you know, we had enough to do the things that we need to do, but we weren't flexing on nobody. Uh, and then it was a different mentality back then. But, but one thing that my mother uh, provided for us, my mother and stepfather provided for us is we traveled a lot. You know, she made sure she took us on vacations and trips every year. And doing that got me an opportunity to kind of get out of my environment to see how things were and I always said when I got older I wanted to be in a position where I can move around and so the Air Force in my opinion offered that uh, I, I wasn't really disciplined enough to go to college after high school I knew that eventually I wanted to get my degrees and I've gotten a, an advanced degree I have a master's degree but I didn't go back to school until like my late 20s I, I always just had the mindset to go out there and get some money so uh, I saw entrepreneurship around me because my grandfather owned his own carpentry company uh, my uncle did pretty well. Who, uncle's uncle's own businesses. So I always had that business mind. Like I was, you know, selling candy at a young age and, you know, at school, man, I played the drums. <laughs> my first job was playing the drums at my church, believe it or not. You know, and so like my uncle paid me a salary to do that. And so uh, I took that money, bought candy, flipped it, uh, you know, and just kind of kind of from a young age, man, just learn how to make money cutting yards and you know, cutting hair and whatever I could do to make money, I found a way to make money. And I parlayed that into, uh, you know, I guess at, at one part of my life, you know, uh, I kind of probably didn't use it to uh, to the best of my advantage, you know, uh, but I was always making money and always doing things I need to do to make sure I could afford the lifestyle that I, I was used to or that I, I, I wanted, if that makes any sense. No, for sure. sure. I think I, I kind of uh, caught your drift through all that. I, I wouldn't use everything to the exact. <laughs> Because one thing I thought about when we when we were bringing you on that I really want to get into just like briefly though it's like your so you have a podcast and also your book I think it's called Real Dope Radio right or Real Dope Podcast yeah yeah Real Dope Real Dope and my it's, my book is behind me right here but it's it's called Real Dope an in depth comparison between real estate and the dope game and what I do is I I, I teach people you know if you can sell dope you can sell real estate not even necessarily being a real estate agent. But just getting into the the field of real estate, owning property, purchasing property, holding property, flipping property. Uh, I always tell people, no matter what the market looks like, rent will always go up. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're in a buyer's market, if you're in a seller's market, Alex, rent is going to always go up. So get you a couple of properties and hold on. People always wonder, you know, like, man, Tim, you're always traveling you're on the road. You know, how the hell can you retire from real estate to go shoot a film? It's like, well, shit, you know, I, I don't have debt, one, and and two, we have property. So, you know, the property can supplement whatever it is we need to do because rent always goes up.
Yeah, and I, I like that concept a lot because I feel like you had like a very niche audience with that. Like you knew who you were talking to when you were like for one making the title, but also like within the context of it, like you are te- you're talking to a certain demographic of person, somebody that may have not had the that may not have the exposure to uh, other ways of making money or uh, using their entrepreneurial gifts to uh, to build a better a financial future for themselves. So I feel like uh, that, that was like one of your main goals with like making your podcast, making your book is trying to talk to that person. And so now, absolutely, um, absolutely. You know, and if if I if I may, you know, I tell people, you know, I grew up. Anybody who knows anything about Dallas, I grew up in Pleasant Grove, and you know, if you know anything about Pleasant Grove, it's not that pleasant. But when I when we moved to Pleasant Grove, Pleasant Grove was like one of the better sides of Dallas. That's where middle class families moved to. So on my street, when we first moved on our street thirty years ago, uh, my mother's still in the same community, and all of my my friends' parents are still there. On our street, we had people from. From from India, we had people from Nigeria, we had people from Eritrea, we had people from uh, Cambodia. Like our, we used to call our street the United Nations, right? Because we we had so many different represented uh, groups of people on there. So I got to see like how different people moved, and as time went on, you know, the, the neighborhoods start kind of declining based on you know people leaving out and you know services being taken away from that area. And and I got to see you know other sides of of, of what that looked like. I, I joke in my book, I say you know. In one neighborhood, in one house, you have, you know, a teacher, you know, a professional athlete and a dope man under one roof. You know what I'm saying? Like we had a very unique dynamic, you know, where I when I where I grew up. So uh, I wrote my book because it was that was always around me from the time I can remember. Somebody was selling dope, uh, whether it was friend, fa- family members, friends. And I talk about it in the book. I don't want to spoil the book, but, you know, I always saw it. And, and when I started finding myself getting into trouble, like when my mother saw me getting into trouble and doing stuff that she felt like would put me in a a bad position, she would take me for about two years, fellas, and I I kid you not, for about two years, man, she took me to visit family members in prison every weekend. (laughs) Every weekend, I I always joke and say, I've probably been to every prison in Texas, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and that was my weekends for about two years, going to go visit family members in prison. She was like, if you, you want to get involved in certain things and you want to be in trouble, let me show you what this life looks like. And, and so that was that that motivated me as well. And that was a part of the motivation of the book, because when I came back from the military, a lot of my boys was still in the streets. And it's like, and they'd be like, Tim, what are you doing, man? You're doing well. Yeah, yeah. And I just got tired of having the conversation. So I wrote the books for my partners. You know, so I wrote that book for my friends and it evolved to what it is. You know, that's real interesting, though, because it's especially, you know, the fact that you mentioned, too, that, you know, your your mom always, you know, took y'all, made y'all, you know, go on trips. And so you can, you know, diverse yourself in different cultures. And then even back at home, you saw that, you know, early on that, you know, the your I mean, you called your street, the United Nations. And you've seen so many different things just in that one area. And it's always interesting because a lot of people always especially I'm assuming, obviously, you know, Pleasant Grove is majority black area. Um, so it's, it's mostly Hispanic now, but back then it was, it was black, white, and Hispanic. It was middle-class black, white, Hispanic. Right. Right. And so that's so interesting though. Cause it's like, um, one, one, well, one book that I have read in the past that always talks about, it talks about this concept of like the, the fact that black America is not like a monolith, um, in the way that a lot of people actually perceive it as right. Cause there, and they, he even, or the author of the book even explains there's four classes of black America, right? You have your elitist which is like you know tiger woods jay-z lebron james those kind of guys which is like you said in that one house you saw you you know professional athletes then you have your mainstream america which is like middle class 
um, Black America. Then you have the abandoned class, which is like your, you know, the poverty, the people that, you know, live in those kinds of conditions. Um, and then you had the uh, emerging class, which they call it was like immigrants. And then also to an extent, the, uh, you know, uh, mixed Black people. And so all of those people have di- live in different kind of realities within America, just based off of, you know, their experiences Absolutely. and those kinds of things. No, you, you said something there, Alice, because when I tell people where I'm from, it's interesting. When I came back from the military, I moved to Plano, right? Because I, I felt like, you know, one, it was closer to my job. But two, you know, as a kid growing up, I was always taught, you know, people with money lived in Plano, right? And so I remember when I moved out there and I, you know, I'm 6'2", you know, at the time I was a, a lot less heavier than I am now. But, you know, I go to the gyms and y'all laughing a little bit too hard there. Marley. You laugh, you laugh <laughs> a little bit too hard. No, but... uh. But uh, I would go to the gyms and stuff like that. And, and I w- it was so funny, man, because when people would find out where I was from, it's like they would kind of code switch. I'm like, oh, you from the hood. You know, and it's just like, you know, yeah, I can go. I can go anywhere in Dallas. That's what I always tell people. But, you know, people don't realize, like, when they start seeing all the stuff that I'm doing, like when people find out I'm a zoning commissioner. They're like, damn, you're a zoning commissioner. It's like, yeah, man. Like, why does that surprise you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I've served my country. I have a master's degree. I own a business. We sponsor, we give out a scholarship, like, is it, or do you see my tattoos and think that I'm supposed to be something else? But I, I like being that guy. I like for yeah. people to think that I'm, I'm the dummy in the room who doesn't yeah. know me. Sometimes I'll even sound a little dumb or play a little dumb just to see how people treat you. When, we, when I took my wife to buy a car recently, and she always laughs, I always wear a T-shirt, basketball shorts, and, and, and some Nikes just to see what kind of service I'll get. Because I know I'm going to have the best credit. And any, anyone who's walking in that day, my credit is going to be better. Uh, nine times out of ten, if we're not putting everything down, you know, we're not paying cash for the car, we're not buying all the stuff that comes with the car, the bells and whistles, like the salesperson, that's going to be their best sell of the day, right? But I don't walk in there with a suit. I always walk in there looking like a kid from Pleasant Grove just so I can see what kind of treatment I'm going to get. So I'm a little cynical like that. Hey, man. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> and that's... I, I love that tactic too. Just like, yo, let let them sleep on me, and then you know, Please. I'm a, I'm gonna show you, you know, what we really working with. So let me ask then, you know, obviously, you know, you go to the military, um, or sorry, you go to the Air Force, and you know, it it kind of obviously you transition out of that. How did you end up getting into real estate specifically? Um, was that the first like entrepreneurship venture that you had? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question, by the way. So, you know, uh, I went to Skyline High School. Shout out to the Raiders, man. I'm from Dallas, Texas. So yeah. uh, cool thing about Skyline, Skyline was a melting pot. You know, everyone from every side of the city went to Skyline. And one of my good friends who's uh, who's been an attorney over the years for me, she's actually doing some really big things down uh, down at, the, you know, at the county or whatever. Uh, she was a cheerleader and her brother played professional football. And so uh, I'll never forget, I'd always see her mom at the games. And my mom worked late. You know, she would go to work at 6 o'clock in the morning and wouldn't get home to 6.30, you know. Um, but this friend's mother was always at the games. At everything we had, she would probably be one of the few parents that was always there. And so I, I asked her one day, I was like, you know, can I curse on here, by the way? I ain't going to get too dirty, but can no, I curse? Good. Yeah, you good. I was like, man, like, what does your mom do for a living? Like, she's at every damn thing that we have, like. Your mom doesn't miss shit, you know? And she said, my mom's a real estate broker. And I said, this is in the 10th grade. I said, what is a real estate broker? So she goes to explain what a real estate broker was. And we didn't have Google. Y'all remember, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I'm pushing 40, right? 
So, you know, we had the AOL, you know, dial-up CDs back then. Wait, y'all had internet, though, right? We had the, it wasn't like it is now. You had to have the little AOL. <laughs> All the old heads watching this are probably laughing. They remember them CDs getting them. And I went to the library, man, and I just kind of started researching real estate and real estate brokers and the type of money that they made. And I was just like, damn, like, they, they, they made some decent money. But what intrigued me the most about this was that her mother was at every game. Her mother was at everything. And at the time, my grandmother, I couldn't play my, my from my sophomore year on, I couldn't play sports because my grandmother moved in with us and she had Alzheimer's. And so I had to be at home with my grandmother. So because my mother worked late and my stepfather worked late, I'd have to come home straight after school and stay with my grandmother. You know what I'm saying? And I'd have to, you know, bathe her, feed her, make sure she was taken care of. But when everyone got home, when it was time for the game, then I could leave and go. Does that make sense? And so it, it really appealed to me like, man, there's actually careers out there where you only have to work a couple of times a week. You can make X amount of dollars and you can pretty much write your own schedule. Like, sign me up for that. <laughs> so that's that's literally how I got into it, man. It, it, I didn't go to a seminar. I didn't read a book. I just saw a close friend whose mother was at everything we had. During the daytime, like we'd have an assembly at one o'clock, her mom would be in the in the stands. Like, damn, how'd your mom get off of this shit? My mom would have had to put in PTO and you know. <laughs> you know what's you know? interesting about that? It's the fact that you notice that she had, because typically, you know, when a lot of people see someone or they see some sort of unorthodox situation, they notice like the material items, like oh. They notice a car, they notice a house, they notice all these kinds of things. But you notice that she had freedom right. and she had like time freedom to be able to actually be at the game at, you know, any time and not necessarily have a job. So that's super interesting. I didn't give a damn about everything because they had shit. Let's not get it twisted. They had everything, man. My friend, she was, well, you remember that friend in high school that had the car in the 10th grade year? Like her brother won a Super Bowl. So I remember he would come to the school and show us his ring. Like, man, like they had stuff, but it was that freedom of time you know what i'm saying because my my parents never really had time and and that was that's something as a child you know you wish that you could spend more time with your parents and eventually once you get older you start kicking your parents to the curb right but but to see her mom at everything i was like damn like i want to be that parent like until this day i'm that parent when my son has stuff i'm always there always there when my wife was coaching she was a basketball coach before she got into administration at her school uh, I was at every game. You know what I'm saying? Like I was always, always there. And that that's the currency that I value more so than the, the stuff that makes me sense. Mm -hmm. I'm on the same exact level with that, man, because now that, that really, really resonates with me because I go back to when I was playing football through high school and college. My parents made made an effort to be at every game, regardless of like where, where it was at, regardless if they had to, if they were scheduled for work, they would try to work extra beforehand just to make sure that they were at my game. Yeah. As I started getting older in college, I really started noticing and appreciating it a lot more because a lot of our, a lot of my teammates, they wouldn't have their parents that showing up to every game because of uh, things such as work. So that was one of my initial motivators. Like, man, I see what that, what this has done for me as far as like my appreciation for that, my having that support system, and that goes so long for your, for your children as far as like being there for them and seeing every every stage of their growth. And so like that has been priceless to me ever since going through that. And now that's like one of my biggest motivators for trying to achieve financial freedom because I know the, the sacrifices they had to make in order to be there or to be there. Yeah. And my mom, when I, when I played baseball in junior high, my mom, she was at every game. Like she would come in her uniform sometimes, you know what I'm saying? 
uh, and she would be at every game just screaming and embarrassing the hell out of me, right? Uh, and then once I got the, like I said, once I got to high school, you know, my grandmother moved in with us. But even now, like my son, he's never had a game where the entire family wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's at this game, screaming, going crazy, right? And it just just imagine, you know, what that does to a kid's psyche. You know what I'm saying? Um, even when I was in the military, my, my mother and my sister wrote me letters every day. And there were there were kids, there was people who were in basic training with me who never got a letter the entire time. And mail call would come. They'd be like, all right, we know Jackson got two letters, you know. So it, it's that support, man. But, yeah, I'm sorry. I can talk about that all day long. No, that's, that's my motivation. That's my motivation. And that's dope, man. But so how after you saw that, then so you you looked at a real estate broker and you know you went and did the research, you know, gotten you know put the CD in the computer, you know, got the, <laughs> you know, did, did what you had to do. Um, how did you? What was that? What did that first real estate deal actually look like in terms of like was it as a broker or was it just so, in, so in general? In, in Texas, I don't know what it's like now because now I'm at the point to where I just log on and buy the course, take my test, and renew my. I've been renewing my broker's license for so long. I don't even think we have to like take a test anymore. Well, back then the way it worked was is you got your real estate license and then for, you have to be a real estate agent for two years. And then after that, you can apply to be a broker. So that's mm -hmm. essentially what I did. I had my real estate license for two years and then I applied to be a broker. I, I think I no, I think at the time it was four years. So I had it for four years and then I, I applied to be a broker and got my broker's license. But can you explain to people real quick what actually a real estate broker is? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I'm assuming that they know. So, so what happens is you all, everyone who obtains a real estate license as a real estate agent, they have to work under a broker. So giving you an example of a broker, Keller Williams is a brokerage. Century 21 is a brokerage. Uh, you know, the big names that you think of when you think real estate, those are the brokers, right? The agents have to work under the broker and you cannot originate a real estate transaction as an individual unless you have a broker's license. So let's just say that Marlon were to get his real estate license tomorrow. He couldn't just go out and start writing contracts. He'd have to attach himself to a broker and then the broker would give him permission to write contracts under the brokerage name. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like whenever someone gets a license, like when people say, hey, you're a real estate agent, I correct them. I say, I'm a real estate broker. You know, there's a difference. You know what I'm saying? Not, not, not to flex on you, but I can I can originate a contract. All right. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, that's a good point that you mentioned that just because a lot of people think that um, whenever, you know, agents sell a house that they're just doing that on their own. They don't actually realize that they're they're not even the ones actually selling the house. It's actually the brokerage, but they're just representing that particular buyer and acting in their best interest or that seller. Right. They're acting as their fiduciary and, yeah. you know, they have to pay a split. Now, of course, you got your transaction brokers where they say, you know, if, if, the, this, if the commission is six thousand, you just have to pay five hundred dollars per transaction. You have situations like that, but I don't split my money with anyone. So, you know, I can go directly to a builder. I can go anywhere. Um, I don't split my money with anyone. So that's 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 the big thing. Right. But to answer your initial question, what was that first transaction like? Man, it's, it's funny you asked. So I was working in banking and I had uh, I got fired, man. Like I, I I'm not the best person in corporate America, man, because I, I talk a lot. And whenever <laughs> I see shit, it, it's a catch 22. A lot of times I get hired onto jobs when they're looking to make a change. But then once you get inside the corporation, they don't really want to change. They just want to make it seem like they want to change. So I'm the guy who's like, hey, this isn't right. And, and I was always taught the squeaky wheel gets replaced. So at this particular job, I'd been there for a couple of years, maybe about four years. 
And I eventually ended up getting fired for saying, you know, speaking up about something I felt wasn't really supposed to be happening. And then they just kind of found a way to paper trail me out. But uh, I knew I needed some money. And so, like, I had kind of ramped it up. I'm like, all right, man, it's going to take a while for unemployment to kick in. You know, this job market sucks. So I just went out there and just hit it, got a client and, and sold a transaction within 30 days, man. Like, I mean, it was like nothing ever stopped. And so then I ended up uh, getting on at this tech company, uh, a communications company. And then from there, I start building my portfolio. That's why you'll never hear me shit on a job. Uh, I used to back in the day when I just really got into corporate. But now I kind of scaled back because 90 percent of my clients came from a job. Like I, I would, you know, work with the people at my job. You know what I'm saying? So when I look at how Tim Jackson Realty was built, Tim Jackson Realty was built by 90 percent of the people I used to work with. You know, those people in the break room, you know, those people who were on my team when I was I used to manage. So, you know, they're like, man, Tim, what are you getting ready to go do during lunch? I'm going to go look at some properties. Like, oh, you sell real estate? Like, yeah, you know, oh, I'm looking for a house, too. So I start stacking my bread based on selling people at my job a house. And then I was able to walk away after that. You know what I'm saying? So so I always tell people, like, if you have a job that you like, like, don't don't crap on it, man. Like you could you can still build a business at that job. And most of your clients can come from the people at that job. Like, stop feeling like you have to do one or the other. You can like your job and stay there and still have a business on the side that produces more than what you're making. Uh, but you're still fine if that makes any sense. You know, and a lot of people feel like you have to choose one or the other. That's not true. Mm-hmm. And- but you see, I, I love that 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 you mentioned that, though, because, um, you know, we always and I mean, I, I'm kind of in the same boat, too. Like I I try not to, like, you know, crap on the nine to five and stuff as much anymore, uh, just because I know, like, <laughs> yeah, as much anymore, <laughs> just because I know that in the sense of like um, your nine to five is obviously number one. If you want to get into entrepreneurship, you had to really leverage that nine to five in any in every possible way that you can, right? And so we know that you can leverage it obviously financially by letting the nine to five subsidize your business or be your first investor into your business, right? By utilizing those paychecks to do that. So that's one benefit. And then obviously from that, you know, we you we you can also um you know leverage it just based off of the networking and the connections like you did too. Like you were able to pretty much, you know, like you said, build your business based off of a lot of the coworkers that you had because you were pretty much occupying their mindshare as that person, that go-to person for real estate, right? And so whenever it's like for them, to, for for them, right, when it's time for them to buy a house, the first person they're thinking of is Tim Jackson. You think me. You know what's so funny, Alex? When I was at my la- one of my last nine to fives, my mentor, one of my professional mentors, uh, who was a professional mentor and a mentor in real life, once I left and started Tim Jackson Realty, I sold him a house. Then I ended up selling his family members a house. And he was this guy was sharp. I said, man, you know what? You and your wife should get into real estate. I said, you need to get into the inspection side because there's not a lot of black inspectors. There's not a lot of black appraisers either, but we won't go there on this episode. <laughs> but I said, there's not a lot of black inspectors and you could kill in the inspection game. I said, your wife, she's got the she's got the mentality of, of a, just a shark like in the real estate game, I said, you guys could kill it. And I kid you not, man, he quit his job and he was an executive at a bank. And within a year, he had almost tripled his income. Wow. All right. And then his wife came and worked with me and learned the game. Then she went to another brokerage and now she's, I think she's a broker now. The point I'm making is like, 
that was a conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, just imagine if I would have been acting like a secret agent, if you will. You know, a lot of people, they be doing something on the side, but then they don't want people at the job to know because they don't want to get fired. And it's just like, man, like you can you can have conversations with people because you never know where that relationship or that conversation will take you. Like I was able to build a very, very successful real estate company. But not only was I able to do that, I was able to encourage two other people to step out and do their own thing. And now they're both making a lot of money running their own businesses. And it was just from a conversation and from, uh, you know, engaging someone in my job about the business. Yeah. And that's so powerful. Yeah. And don't feel too bad, Alex. I used to shit on jobs too, man. But you know what happened? You know when I stopped doing it? I stopped doing it when I started hiring people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, man, like, who am I to shit on a job? But then I got all these people working for me. It's like, damn, they got they working for me, you know? That's and a I fact. I humble myself, man. Like, I, I'm on the record saying that a job was a pimp hole relationship. You know, I said that years ago. And now I feel, I don't feel stupid because I don't ever backtrack on my words, but I, that wasn't a wise thing to say because. There's people who came to work for me later. So you have to understand, like, that young mentality says you either have to have a job or business. But the older I've gotten, I've realized, man, you can you can parlay that job. And I always think about the old person at work that doesn't give a damn about the job. Like, man, why are they so carefree? It's because they have other sources of income. You understand what I'm saying? So they can walk up out of this job tomorrow and tell this job to go to hell. Yeah. Because they don't have debt. They have other sources of income. F you money. And F you money. (laughs) One thing that you had said, talked about with, with your friend that you put on game, basically, I love that uh, that what, what you did right there, because some people are looking for somebody to like liberate them and just uh, uh, give them permission to be successful. Like he he knows like his um like what he's good at doing, but he doesn't ever he may not necessarily believe that he can go build his own business out of doing that, though. And so Absolutely. you pretty much liberates in his mind like, oh, this is something like somebody has noticed this in me. That's like a skill that I can go. Uh, monetize into like a entire business with so now that's what that's one thing we really try to do with this podcast because we try to bring people on show them like no matter what your situation was where you started off at you can still achieve these things so like whether you um you had a stepmom in the house stepdad in the house whether you uh, grew up in poverty whether you grew up in a, a poor mid- or middle class affluent area you can still achieve these things it's just people are looking for that liberation piece and so I think that's, that's a great thing you did for him. That, that's that's real. And, and what I always tell people, you know, especially people within my community, black people, is that, you know, when I look at some of my friends, like some of my friends that had both parents in the house and had everything going for them, like they're not really winning like you would think they would be winning right now. Right. And I'm, that's not the shit on anybody because I'm sure they'll watch it, you know. But my thing is, a lot of times, man, you just got to have that dog in you. Like if you don't have that dog in you, like it don't matter where you come from. Yeah. You're not going to be successful because you're going to feel like you're enti- entitled. Like there's poor people by the sense of what we see poor is that feel entitled. There's people that are affluent that feel entitled. Fact. So being entitled doesn't have a, it's not a part of a class or a status. It's a mentality. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I know like where I grew up at on my street alone, the, the block I grew up on, man, we had professional baseball player, professional, uh, uh, sports agent who's active right now, um, an attorney. Uh, we had an assistant district attorney. We've got a guy who's getting ready. This is in my neighborhood, uh, uh, getting ready to put on lieutenant colonel in the military. Uh, we got like rappers. We've got people that did all this stuff. Then we have people that were like big time drug dealers. Like we all came from the same neighborhood, right? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, then we have people that are on drugs, right? 
So that mentality is going to essentially, it's going to supersede, you know, an upbringing, if that makes any sense. Does that yeah. make sense of what I'm saying? No, 100 percent, man. Like I told you, in one house, you got, you know, the, the, the star athlete, you got the dope man. You know, yeah. both the parent, both parents were there. They were honest people, right? So it's just the mentality. It's what you allow yourself to be, uh, to accept as true. And you you tend to um, pursue what you believe is true. Man, that's, I love that, 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 that concept. And it, it reminds me a lot of one of my favorite, if not my favorite person of all time, Kobe Bryant, um, just in the sense of like, Yo, this dude, I mean, he grew up in Italy and he's his dad. His dad was a pro uh, basketball player in Italy, came to the NBA. He grew up pretty much an NBA kid still to this day. I mean, he was best known as one of the fiercest competitors, most hungry individuals just in everything that he does. That's he just he's just a competitor and a winner at that. And it's like compare that with a lot of, you know, a lot of people that come into that become pro athletes. They come from a lot worse situation. So it's like. You can see it on the outside as like they have a reason to be hungry. But this guy came from, you know, a pretty great situation and, you know, still ends up being one of the greatest athletes, yeah. if not people of all time. It's a, it's a mentality. Now, let's not get it twisted. You know, um, there is a such thing as, as the system of white supremacy, particularly in America, that that tends to put certain stumbling blocks in front of us. Let's not pretend, you know, my my master's degree is in Houston, in history. So, you know, I can't I, I can say all that while saying this. There are certain blocks or, you know, uh, hindrances that certain people are going to, uh, you know, uh, incur. Right. When I go certain places, there's times where I've been down to City Hall and I got on my T-shirt and people don't even look me in the face. You know, uh, and then I go back the next day, you know, for a commission meeting and they say, hey, Commissioner Jackson, how you doing? Like, I was the same guy that was up here yesterday picking up paperwork. Right. So there's going to always be something. But what you do with it, like the, that that fight that you have within that says, I don't really what you about me I'm still gonna get it is what's gonna separate you know the uh, cream from the from the coffee you understand what i'm saying yeah. I, I a whole episode on that particular topic about, uh, yeah. about the mentality of how do i want to approach a situation that i've down thrown into like am i going to be victimized in the situation and, and think i'm owed something or am i going to approach it differently and say i don't care how you are treating me i'm going to uh i'm going to rise above this and i'm going to be able to succeed in whatever i choose to do and so just to move us on a little bit, though. So now after you so you, you got the you uh, became a broker, you uh, got a couple of deals under your belt. Like what, did, what were you able to build from this? Like um, how many deals were you able to uh, to conjure up? Like um, were you able to obtain that that time freedom that you were looking for from the brokerage? Like, how does that's that business look today? Go ahead. I said, how does the business look today, too, as well? Well, so so. I, I was able to get a lot of freedom, you know, when me and my wife prior to us getting married, you know, uh, I'd finished up my bachelor's degree. I was it was right. My bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And I was going in to get my master's degree. And I, you know, I I went through this whole this increase by decrease. You know, I, I was looking at my life. I was making great money, but I felt like I was broke. Right. And so I, I had to tell myself, like, hey, Tim, there's something that, that you're not doing right. And when I took a look at my expenses and everything, I realized I was spending too much money. And so what I did was I literally began to just eliminate everything. Like I sold my Lexus, <laughs> you know, uh, I always tell people that was my mid midlife crisis car. Right. Had a really nice Lexus. And then I, I rented out my house and put it on the market. And then uh, I ended up moving into like uh, with a roommate and eventually she and I moved in together. And I told her, give me six months. Uh, to build this business, and, and I and my what I told her word for word was that if you you give me six months to build this business, you'll never have to work again. 
And so uh, I built my business. I was able at, at the height, I think I had about 10 people working for me at the time. Um, I always, I like to say everyone that worked for me made six figures. Um, but I, I saw what it looked like to run a successful business, but I still wasn't content, right? I, I still felt like there was something I need to do. And so, you know, I, I got out of all of my debt. Me and my wife, we ended up flipping some houses together. Uh, we ended up purchasing some houses together. And I told myself, you know, there was there was something more to what it was that I, I felt like I needed to do in life, right? And that's when we started the mentoring program. But at the height of the business, man, we, we were pretty successful. Um, I worked a lot of new build properties, so we sold a lot of new builds. Um, and I made really good money, you know, uh, put myself in a, in a different tax bracket to where I was paying for. <laughs> I was writing off what I normally made, if that makes any sense. But I still felt like there was more to accomplish, Marlon and Alex, right? And, and so I shifted and, and I, I, me and my wife, you, you guys remember the big freeze that we had here in Texas recently, right? Mm -hmm. so, so during that freeze, we actually got stuck in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And um, excuse me, when I came back to Dallas, a lot of people within my district, their water was, you know, pipes were freezing. And I, I spent like two, three days just going around helping people cut their water off. We went to Vegas that weekend. And I told my wife, I want to do something different. I really want to focus on teaching people how important it is to eliminate debt. Because when you think about debt, I know you guys, you, you were athletes, right? So you probably didn't have to worry about the student loans as much as, as many people. But most people struggle to start a business or most people struggle to pursue their goals and dreams because they owe people money, right? And so everything that they're making is going to somewhere else at the end of the month or at the end of the paycheck. And I told my wife, I said, you know, she has a license. I said, I'm going to fall back. I'm still going to be the acting broker, but I want you to take over the business. And I want to focus on the documentary, which is going to, one, talk about uh, some of the systemic and economic issues that plague black men, but also focus on teaching people how to eliminate debt so that they can put themselves in a position to build wealth. If that makes any sense. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, got <laughs> yeah. you. So and so y'all start you started the sort of business Tim Jackson Realty. Y'all started that. When did y'all actually start that business? Tim when? Jackson Realty came into fruition around 2013-2014. Okay, got you. Got I'm you. Say, I was working as an independent broker literally just under my name Timothy Jackson. Yeah. Okay. So I would originate transactions under Timothy Jackson. My attorney and my accountant were, you know, they were they were screaming at me when they saw I wasn't protected, right? And so I ended up forming an LLC protecting myself. Um, and that's when I started hiring more people and people began to work with me and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so now your wife pretty much, uh, is like the head of that business. She's it. She's it. You know, I, I mean, I'm in the shadows, like literally since I've been here, we went on, we closed the deal. Was it Friday when we were getting on the, uh, plane? Then we got another one closing when we get back Tuesday. Yeah. So like, you know, the money ain't stopped, you know, <laughs> I probably picked up a few clients since we've been here, but she's, she's it. Like, right. As we're speaking right now, she's over to the left at the desk working on some transactions now. Like she's, she's it. And so I'm more than likely we'll probably pick up a, an assistant again pretty soon. Uh, we had a full-time assistant before, but once COVID hit, uh, we just kind of, like most people, we scaled our business back. Um, so you know, we got rid of, I didn't, I didn't even say we got rid of people. We just didn't have a desire or a need for an assistant. I had just extended my office, fellas, like almost 2,000 square feet so that we could start teaching classes on home ownership and credit and debt. And then COVID hit and nobody's coming to a classroom. You know what I'm saying? So we're now we're in the virtual space. Marley, you laughing too hard, man. 
Well, I'm going to text you how much my, my rent is every month. My my damn rent, shit. I can go, I can probably go out there and get me a, what the, what's that car you want, baby? A G-Wagon? I could probably go get me a G-Wagon tomorrow if I could just eliminate this rent. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so go ahead, Marlon. I was about to say, now nah, I, I feel I feel for you on that, especially because you had plans. Like I see that that you are, have a strong passion for like teaching other people. Though. Yes, like yes. You, you, that's like one thing that's seen like it's real big on your heart. Like beyond just every all of your success as a brokerage, even the time freedom is like being able to empower others. So, um, as so the documentary, that's one like one of the main things you're focusing on now. I know you still got like the zoning commissioner in Dallas and things like that, but like your main focus is, is on like the documentary. Main focus is on the documentary. We we just. Uh interview little kiki the rapper uh you know the the uh the person that made the song south side you know that's kind of his main song but he's been on so much music we just interviewed him uh shout out to the uh black wealth renaissance guys man they were uh they they're a few of them are actually uh partnering with me on the documentary um and now we got a few other people we're going to be interviewing but that's it right there like just just really approaching um ways that black men specifically can can uh improve themselves economically you know what I'm saying? most of the, the root of our problems will always be economics i don't care what anyone says i don't care how many how you feel if a, you can throw money at pretty much 99 percent of the problems that we have they're economic they're systemic even if you think of a systemic problem typically it is removing a person from being able to make a dollar like the whole council culture is not based on we don't like you yeah, it's yeah. based on we don't like you and we don't ever want you to work again. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, it, you know, my thing is how do we addre address systemic issues but provide a solution economically to to pass down to our children so that they can avoid those systemic issues? Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, that's such a fact, too, when you talk about the fact that 99 percent of issues are just rooted in economics, because obviously, I mean, even just looking at it from a like a natural standpoint of like humans right i mean we have one goal it's like obviously as men and women you know the the goal as a man is you know to be able to be able to provide and to protect you know for your family and for the future generation so it's like every problem that or like you said most of the problems that we do have are in because they're in some hinder they're hindering us to be able to do that you know ultimate goal to some capacity so i want to talk more so about the um the 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 you know the getting out of debt and you know why you why that's such an important thing to you because Please. i think that's that's such a um profound thing to actually because that's so specific but i know you know you you see this you see the power behind you know not owing anyone money so can you kind of talk because i had personally obviously you know we as entrepreneurs as real estate investors specifically we know and we understand the power of debt and what debt can actually do in a positive way for your business and for ultimately your wealth, um, generational wealth, your financial freedom, everything. But can you kind of talk about like, you know, uh, actually the, the, the steps for actually getting out of debt and also your, your, your view on the good debt and bad debt? Absolutely. Alex, I'm, man, I'm telling you, man, you're throwing up the oops, man. I'm about to slam it down. Like the questions, <laughs> the questions are coming, man. Explain something to me. When I, you know, like I said, my tagline is get the fuck out of debt, right? That's, that's what I talk every morning. I say it on social media, you know, but here's the thing about that. You know, people often want to discuss like, they say, are you, are you doing what Dave Ramsey's doing? You know, he's talking about God. Then, and my, my answer to that is absolutely not. Uh, I, I think that some of his principles are great, but 
I don't really well, I don't really think he fooled with us like that. That's my opinion. I'll go on the record saying it. But two, Dave never teaches you how to leverage debt. Okay. And with me, the first step is to get the fuck out of debt. That means the consumer debt. That means, you know, I hate to sell, sound like old boy on baby boy. You know, you know, he has the guns and the butter talk, right? You know, all that extra shit. You know, I tell people that we tend to live for the cherry on top and not the cake, right? So I can go spend a couple of thousand dollars on a watch. I can walk into a dealership knowing that the car that my wife wants, I already have the money over here sitting aside in this account and my assets are paying for this car. It's, it's, it's a liability sum, but the assets are taken care of. So I'm not tripping on it. And if I want to make a little money off that car, I could, right? But the debt that I'm specifically speaking about is the consumer debt that we can avoid, right? So, you know, even with our mentoring program, we teach our boys how to go to college for free, all right? One of the biggest things that you see when I was coming up, having a bachelor's degree meant something. Having a bachelor's degree don't mean shit no more. You need a, you need a master's now, right? But see, a bachelor's degree was specifically used in many cases, arguably, to keep certain people out. Well, now we all got them, right? So now the value of those bachelor's degrees don't mean anything anymore, right? Well, then you also think about cars. You know, I see this a lot in the black community because I'm a real estate broker and I'm speaking specifically about the clients that I've dealt with. We buy cars before we buy houses. You know, uh, there was this, this little flip. So I'm dating myself, man. But, you know, little flip, you know, one of his hooks. It was like, buy the car, buy the house. And I, I remember singing that song as a kid, but then when I got grown, I heard the song. I was like, damn, he was teaching us backwards. Like, we're supposed to buy the house and then buy the car, right? Like, there's no auto transaction in the world that's going to prevent me from purchasing a car because I own a house. But when you purchase a house, you have debt to income ratios. So you can literally be prevented from buying a house simply because you bought your car first. Like, people don't think about that, right? Or like I was an I was an underwriting in auto finance. I was an underwriter for the largest auto financer in the United States. And I would we would write loans at 24 percent interest. Why? Because when you go into a dealership, they ask you, how much can you afford a month? They don't ask you what's your credit score so we can get you the best payment with the less interest rate. They say, how much can you afford a month? Right. So now you're getting into these loans that are 24, 21, 19 percent interest on vehicles. And you're paying nearly double for that vehicle. But again, again, it's counting against your debt to income. So then you think about, you know, your credit card, you're, you're financing your life through a credit card and you're paying 23, 24 percent interest on some shoes. Right. And then you're making the minimum payment. And on the statement, it, it tells you if you continue to make this minimum payment, you'll have this paid off in 17 years. Right. So why is it that people don't understand the impact that it has on you? And for so long, Alex. I can't tell you if I had a dollar for every time I explained to someone they couldn't buy a house because they had a car or the credit card debt was off, man, I'd have about $790, man. Like, I mean, I'm just telling you, every time someone would come to me and I had to turn them around, it's because they had horrible consumer debt. Yeah. And all they had to do were, was one or two things to one, lower their interest rate, or two, put themselves in a position to avoid even having to, to finance. Well, now, once you get over that hurdle, that's what my tour is about starting this Friday or Saturday in Oakland. I'm going to teach you how to get over that hurdle. Secondly, I teach you how to use debt to build wealth. Mm -hmm. My wife and I we pay cash for the first couple of houses that we got. But every house that we've ever flipped, man, we, we don't pay our own money. We'll take the money off of a zero percent interest credit card. 
So I have a we have several zero percent interest credit cards. I literally got an offer today from one of my cards. Zero percent interest for 18 months. You know, I, I'm not gonna tell you how much I can pull off that. I don't want nobody running up on me in the streets trying to hit a lick. But I mean, we've pulled the last time we flipped, we pulled like 30 grand off of a card, and then we flipped it. We put it into the house, zero percent interest. We just paid the little fee, whatever it was, like three percent fee. I think it turned out to be like $900. All my mathematicians don't be emailing me telling me I had the numbers wrong, right? But then within a year's time, because we had established like a snowball and established ways to pay everything off really quickly based on getting out of debt, we had that car paid off in less than a year, like literally in about seven months. Plus, we had the rent coming in at 100%. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we don't have a note on that house, right? So it's just like, well, debt works when you use it the right way, but we don't use it the right way. We use it for the cherry on top, not the cake. And we got to flip the way we look at debt and start using it to build wealth. That's a bar. That might be the title. Um, because you know why that's so important, though? Because it all goes back to positioning in terms of like, you know, doing the because all of that kind of stuff is sequencing. Like it's all those things have to take place at some point. Like obviously, it's if you most people start in debt, like you start your adult life in debt because of consumer debt, student loans. Most you know, most of the time, it's one of those two. So, I call it pizza credit card. You know, when you first get to school, they're like, "Hey, man, you want some free pizza?" Like, "Yeah, I'm hungry as shit." Here, fill out this application for this credit card. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So it's like it's not a problem if you're in debt. It's just knowing now it's like okay that's what we need to take care of first now that that bad and consumer debt is taken care of that's not it that's not the end that was just a step now we have to focus on the next step which is financial freedom and actually building wealth right and that is 99 of people are only going to be able to do that by leveraging debt to some capacity i always tell people one rental property with no mortgage can change your life no it can literally change the way you live for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because you can use that rental property to finance your lifestyle. You can use that rental property to take equity out of it, to buy more rental properties. Like one paid off rental property can change your life. For me and my wife bought a piece of property three years ago. Mm -hmm. um, we paid $23,000 for it. Between she and I, we get about, goodness, man, we probably get around four calls a day. And about five items in the mail every week about buying this property. Three years ago, we paid twenty-three grand for this property. Today, that property is worth around one eighty. Wow, where are you, <laughs> you buying properties for twenty-three? <laughs> hey man, that's we have to have that conversation offline. I can't give them everything for free, right? You know, I got the, I, I can't give you everything, right? Now I'm messing with you, man. But you know, it's funny you say that because there was an abundance of properties like this five years ago, and I was at the screaming at the top of my lungs on social media. Buy houses in Pleasant Grove, buy houses in Oak Cliff, buy houses in South Dallas, yeah. buy houses in West Dallas for everybody in the DFW Metroplex. And people are like, man, don't nobody want to live there. You know how it be. And my thing is, you don't have to live there. We've never lived in any of these properties. But yeah. these are the areas where we're from. And we can't keep screaming gentrification, gentrification, gentrification if we're not buying up the properties in our areas. You understand? And so we had an older friend of the family, older couple, you know, they did a reverse mortgage, I believe, and they just needed to get out of this property because they were getting ready to go into assisted living. 
and a friend called us and like, hey, Tim, here's here's a property. I asked my wife what she thought. We went and looked at it. We snatched it up. We were closed in 10 days, cash, right? And it's just like, we had, we didn't even do anything to that property, Alex. We didn't even touch that property for two years. We literally, it literally sat vacant uh, for two years and we just paid the taxes and cut the yard. Mm-hmm. And in two years with nothing done to it, it was worth 80 grand just in two years. Then once we renovated it, it shot up, it, it doubled. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, that's buying and holding, man, because what I told you before, rent always goes up. Yeah. So we're, we're getting ready to renew the lease on that now, and the rent's going to probably go up another $300. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's a fact. So, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. It's get off your ass and do it and stop being so afraid. Like, don't be afraid to make a mistake. The first house that we flipped together, we paid cash for that house, too. Man, everything that could have went wrong, Marlon, everything that could have went wrong in that flip, said for the third time, everything that could have went wrong in that flip went wrong. But it didn't stop us. We were like, all right, we just want to do, we'll do it this way next time. Yeah. But no, that's the role that you're going to play with this, with the documentary, as well as just with the, with your, um, with what you're going to be teaching. Because most people, they're, they're afraid on top of they don't have the right information. So that now when you're screaming at the top of your lungs, hey, you need to go buy in these areas, they see it as I'm not going to buy a house over there. I don't want to live there. Uh, so they, they're, th- they're already thinking in the wrong mentality so that, because they don't have the right information. So that's what that's where you're going to come into play at, because now you're teaching them on top of uh, how to buy, how to leverage debt before you even get there, how to get out of debt and how to. Um, just how to handle your finances overall better, just because uh, you're t- it's just so many, so many foundational teachings that we just are not afforded just b- based on how we grow up. And that's why we grow up and uh, just don't know anything about uh, paying more than the minimum balance. We don't know anything more about <laughs> buying, buying rental properties versus buying your own personal paying your Paying the interest daily. I teach that concept. When people are like, what, what do you mean? If you learn how to pay your interest daily, I'm going to teach this at every seminar, at, at every class I'm doing, I'm teaching this. Paying my interest daily on stuff changed my life because essentially you eliminate your interest when you pay it daily. And if you just chop it up, I don't want to give too much free shit, but just paying your interest daily. If you can learn how to do that and apply it, it'll change your life. But nobody teaches us this. And let me let me say something to you guys. The average person or the people who own property and Areas that have a high concentration of black people, they don't live in those neighborhoods. They they don't live there. They just have businesses there. And when it's when they get done with work, they hop in their car, they drive on the other side of town, their kids go to private school. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we gotta start thinking like that. Like, hey, I might not live here, but this is where I'm from and I want to preserve it because then what's gonna happen 20 years from now, once you start seeing those bike lanes coming up, you start seeing more services coming up, you ain't gonna be able to afford it. They're going to start changing the street names. They're going to start putting those little tags at the top of the street that give it different, you know, neighborhood distinctions. And now your kids are going to have no clue what this was. Yeah. Because you didn't own it. I'm preaching today, y'all. It's, I'm preaching today. Let me send that collection plate around. Cash out. My- <laughs> no, man. It's such it's such a. You know, these kind of things, obviously, these conversations are never had. So it's so important to bring people on like you that have been doing this, especially for as long as you've been doing it, um, because, you know, it's it's such an important thing. So, you know, kind of before we wrap up, then. So as far as like, you know, the whole 
strategies then for paying down debt can you briefly talk about like what like a general overview of the strategies that you do teach in terms of like i definitely talk about paying your interest daily uh i talk about essentially increasing by decreasing uh you know identifying items that you're paying and my wife this is just my our personal story i never mind sharing our personal story when we sat down a couple of years ago just to identify everything that was coming out and everything that was going uh coming in Man, we we were spending probably, oh, man, $1,300, $1,400, nearly $1,500 on stuff every month that we weren't even really paying attention to. Like, like I had two gym memberships, man. I had a couple of CRMs that I was using that did the exact same thing. We were just paying on a bunch of stuff. And because it was wrapped up in our business and we were doing pretty well in business, we just never even paid attention to it, right? You know how you put stuff on auto pay? And and so, like, I teach people first how to take a look at your finances and eliminate the things you don't need. One of the first things she and I did was we cut off our cable. We were paying like two seventy nine, almost three hundred bucks a month just on cable, and I, we watched three channels. You understand what I'm saying? So we we kept the internet and ended up paying for like a little streaming service and got an antenna, right? So we were able to save two hundred bucks a month just by doing that. That's twenty four hundred dollars a year. If, if I if if you ask the average person how would you feel if you got a twenty four hundred dollar raise they'd be like man I was that would be straight right so then I went through and just literally started eliminating stuff and by the time we got done I'll say we had around thirteen hundred and seventy nine dollars I'll just use that number of shit that we just got rid of simply because eating out right I was spending uh, about eight hundred bucks a month eating out now you might be like all right Tim he's probably going to the fancy restaurants doing this doing that nope. I was going to fast food restaurants. You know, if you go to a, a fast food restaurant for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and the average cost uh, for one person is, let's just call it $10 per per meal, right? Well, that's $30 a day. And you multiply $30 a day by 30 days. And that's $900 right there, right? I mean, just simple math, right? So if I'm doing this every day, or at least two times a day, or I'm buying my wife somewhere, I'm buying the kids something, that's an easy $900, right? So then we, we committed to just going to the grocery store, spending $270, maybe $300 bucks just on groceries for a month, and then that's another $600 that we can put off. But then when we got that money, we didn't trick it off, Alex. We, we actually applied it to our debt, Snowball, and then we started to pay stuff down, like, expeditiously, you know, as T.I. say, right? <laughs> but not only were we able to pay off stuff super quick, now that's a part of our monthly cushion so i can go out there and buy a new car and i already if i if i don't already have the money saved up i can have that car paid off in a year and a half or less than that right i can go out there and take a risk on a property i can say all right this person's trying to sell this property over here for 50 grand let me go pull the that 50 grand cash off of a, a you know an interest-free zero percent 18 month credit card and just pay for it get the title in hand or the deed in hand and now i got this cushion over here and now I'm paying that money back and I can have it paid back in a year. You see what I'm saying? Before the interest rate even, you know, adjusts. So now not only do I have access to the capital, but now I own a piece of property that's going to pay me. Right. Because if I pay 50 grand, you know, for the property and then I can turn around and spend another 25 renovating, it's 75. But I'll have somebody in it within the next three months paying me, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a month, if you will. Right. Plus, I've already paid back the money before the interest rate adjusts. And now I own this property outright. There's no mortgage on it. See what I'm saying? 
So, like, I mean, it's just little simple stuff like that, man. You don't have to go out and buy. And shout, kudos to my guys that's out there buying five and six and seven doors at a time, 20 doors at a time. I, I applaud that, right? But my thing is with me, I like to teach the common, the average person, hey, you know, this is where you can start, and then you can graduate to there. But start here. Yeah. Just start here. No, I love love that because, there, for one, there is um, – it's a teacher for everybody. So you, you have to you have to figure out your niche of person, figure out what their situation is, and then be able to teach along their level of like where is their immediate next step? Because you can't jump from a, a mountain high in debt to buying a 50 unit apartment and have no in between. Like there's got to be steps in order to get there. Like Alice was talking about, the first step is just getting out of debt. After we got it, we had to learn how to acquire debt but leverage it correctly. Just go buy one house. After we learn how to buy that, now it's, it's like you can use an analogy of like uh, going from uh, crawling to walking to riding a bike on training wheels to riding a bike with no training wheels. Like it's, it's a process in place in order to get to, to that. Listen, listen Marlon, man, I, I can I always tell people, y'all seen that movie Forrest Gump? Yeah. yeah. I always tell people I'm the Bubba Gump of ramen noodles, man. Like I know how to cook ramen noodles. I can do shrimp ramen noodles. Damn, every every type of flavor ramen noodle style ramen noodles I can make. Because at one point in my life, man, that's all I could afford. You know what I'm saying? Like, I literally had to cut back so much to where I was buying the packets of ramen noodle and, you know, bologna, man. That's what I was eating, man, drinking water all day long, right? But I had to start somewhere. I had to tell myself I can't go out to eat and spend $30 a setting every single time. Like, that's a mentality, Right. And so the way the, the lifestyle that I live and the lifestyle that my wife lives and the lifestyle that we enjoy, the lifestyle that my son is accustomed to, it, it requires me to have discipline. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It requires me to have discipline. It requires me to start somewhere. You said something, Marlon. You said there's something for everyone, right? Like a lot of people watch your program and watch my programs and they think to themselves, I can't do this. I can't do this. But then they hear us say it a certain way. And it's like, wait a minute, I can do this because they're doing it. That guest just said something that I would have never thought, right? So I want to meet people where they are, right? I want you to graduate to those 50-unit buildings, right? But you're going to have to start by paying off that damn <laughs> that pizza credit card first, right? And yeah. learning how to leverage that card. And it doesn't matter if you had both of your parents in your life or if you came up through the adoption you know, uh, agency, right? And you were in the foster care. That dog is in you. It's in you. You just need the right person to pull it out and then direct you to the right way so that you can start doing the things that, you, that you're destined to do. Man, everybody has a purpose. Everyone has a purpose. It's a fact. Let's start living that purpose. That's a fact. Yep. It's your job to find that. So I love it, man. I love it, man. I love it. This has been dope. So we're going we gonna to transition the show then into um, our last segment of the show. Let's which get it. Which will, this will be, we call this the fast five. So this is where we'll pretty much ask you five questions and you will answer them in 10 seconds or less. Oh, man. Yeah. No pressure. So, nah, nah, nah. You got it. Uh, so we'll alternate the questions. So first question, what does success mean to you? Oh, wow. Success to me is not having to worry about money. That's success. Sir. Perfect. Uh, question number two, what is your favorite money or business book? Ah, man, that's going to be a shameless plug, man, but real dope. An in-depth comparison between real estate and the dope game. I feel like any child, any man, any woman who just wants to learn the basics of real estate and different ways to utilize real estate, it's a quick read. It's only like 78 pages. I call it the uh, 
the seatbelt light book. If you're reading on the plane, you can have that shit done before the seatbelt light goes off, man. So, yeah, real dope. And in depth comparison between real estate and the dope game. Tim Jackson. I heard about him, man. That's a, that's a cool dude, right? That guy's something else, man. That guy, that's, a, that's a bad guy. <laughs> uh, next question Would you rather have $1,000 a week for life or a million dollars today and why? Ah, man. You know what, man? I would say a thousand dollars a week for life. Um, I don't know why, man. To be honest with you, man, I, I'm the type of person I know that I could do more with that thousand dollars a week than I could with a million dollars right there. Like a, a, million, a million dollars isn't a lot of money, and I and I tell that to everyone who I mentor. A million dollars ain't a lot of money. When you start, a million dollars ain't a lot of money, and I'll just keep it at that. All right. Uh, a lot of times in the black community, we think a million dollars is a lot of money. But when you start operating a business and you start having to pay expenses and you start having taxes, you'll realize that a million dollars ain't shit. So give me that thousand dollars a week. I could do more with that than I could a million dollars. So, all right, question number four. If you could go back and change anything about your journey, what would it be? Um, I would have the first 10 years of my adult life. I would have bought more real estate I, I bought a new car like every two or three years And so I always tell people man me and my, my nephew as a matter of fact, we talk about this all the time um, If I would have started buying real estate at 18 versus buying it at 26 um, I'd probably be a millionaire 10 times over, you know, like I, I'd have a ton of money because That was back when real estate was dirt cheap in Dallas, right? Uh, so I would have started buying real estate right at 18. I was in the military and I had people who would buy properties every duty station they went to right i had a guy who did that every duty station he went to he bought a property people thought it was crazy and man, that guy is retired retired now you know what i'm saying like because if you buy a property in a military town that's guaranteed money you can just run it out to a troop who's coming there right they're getting what's called bah which is basic allowance for housing they're not going to tear up your house because you know they're in the military and if they do you just call their first sergeant like, I would have bought property at 18 because I was stationed in Alaska. So, I mean, property in Alaska right now, is, it was bananas back then, right? It's crazy right now. If I would have just bought one piece of property back then at $200,000, that property is probably worth like six hundred grand right now. And then somebody would have been renting it this entire time. Yeah. Man, you would have got the cash flow, the appreciation, the loan pay down, and the Bruh. tax benefits from it. Bruh. No man, it's hey, it's somebody listening right now that's like, dang, you you should have, and they they they're in the same situation. It's like, yo, if you listening right now, and you in a situation like that, you 18, 17, 19 years old, whatever, you know, twenty, whatever, however, however old you are, I mean, it's, you go in ten years, people gonna say the same thing. Man, if I'd have bought man in two thousand twenty one, there's houses in my mother's neighborhood that were being sold for 35, 40 grand a piece. Now those houses are two hundred grand. Like if I would have just bought some of those properties when I came back from the military, if I could have bought five of those properties when I came back from the military, I mean that's a million dollars worth of real estate right there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I bought a new car. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I bought a new car. We didn't have Toro back then, so I wasn't renting that shit out. I was flossing. You know? so, I mean, it's just a mentality, man. You know, you know, we gotta ain't nothing wrong with shining on people, but let that be the cherry on top and not the cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fact. That's a fact. So then, last question: Then, where can people find out more about you? That's a good question. So uh, I'm an old head, man. I, I Andre Andre's uh, uh, hatchet, man. He's been beating me up, so I'm on social media like I need to be. So I'm at Tim Jackson now. 
on all platforms. Listen, y'all, my Twitter is dry as shit. Please go follow your boy on Twitter. Instagram has picked up a little bit, and then I'm a legend on Facebook where all the old heads are. Uh, but on, you know, everywhere else, at Tim Jackson now, man, I got some good content, man. I've always been the, the guy that just, I do so much. You know, I'm learning that when you do good for your people that it's okay to talk about it. Because I was brought up in such a way to where I was taught to do your good deeds, you know, below the table because you don't want people, you know, thinking that you're trying to get recognition for the stuff you're supposed to be doing. So I was always really self-conscious about that. You know, not, I, I never want to put a camera in somebody's face during the, the lowest point of their life. Does that make sense? But, now I ain't going to say but, I'm going to say, I'm going to put a period right there. I'm going to say, however, what we're doing is we're teaching people how to get out of that lowest point in their life. And I'm doing it in such a way that nobody else is doing it because I'm relatable. You know what I'm saying? I'm that kid from Pleasant Grove that I do have a master's degree. You know what I'm saying? But I'm, you know, I'm kind of with the shits too. You know what I'm saying? So, and a lot of people, they can relate to that. You know, they don't want somebody that's all stiff and stuck up and thinking that they're better with people, better than people. They want somebody they feel like they can come up to and have a conversation. When I met you guys, it was so organic, man. We chopped it up. Nobody was trying to be somebody they weren't. We, we, it was like I knew you guys my whole life, right? Yeah. Because I like to be relatable. So follow me at Tim Jackson. Now, y'all don't make fun of me, man. If I'm on there looking like your parents, you know, posting the wrong stuff at times, you know what I'm saying? Don't laugh at me, but I'm going to figure it out. But we got to get more people like me in front of more people like you. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's a story that needs to be told that encompasses and tells the entire story. You know, everything about us. We're so, such a unique group of people, man. So I, like, I got a letter from a guy in prison who got who read my book and he wrote me a letter he's like man can you mentor me you know what i'm saying like you got people in prison writing me letters asking me to mentor them right obviously what i'm doing is working and i'm mentoring him like i told him yeah i'll mentor you you know what i'm saying like we all need that game so uh follow your boy at tim jackson now for sure for sure for sure what do y'all have it man this has been dope man we appreciate you Coming on here, hopping on here on the Sunday afternoon to chop it up with us. This has been a super informative and enlightening conversation. Hope I know a ton of people got value from it, a ton of people that definitely can relate to, you know, your story and your background and just your personality. So we appreciate you, man, for real. Thank you so much. And before I get out of here, I want to say happy anniversary to my beautiful wife. We are kicking it right now. We're on vacation right now, just kind of seeing some areas, some spots on the East Coast. So happy anniversary to my beautiful wife. Five years. We've been together eight years but she's been holding it down with your boy for five years so shout out my beautiful wife congratulations on that shout out wifey shout out wifey for sure man we appreciate you that's it for this episode of the money monopolizers podcast new episodes will be released every thursday and will be available on apple Podcasts, spotify and youtube just search money monopolizers wherever you listen to podcasts we hope you learned something of value today and if you did we'd appreciate it if you rated us five stars and left us a review on apple Podcasts. you can also find out more info about us on twitter at the Monopolizers or IG at Money Monopolizers. We post informative content on there that'll keep you engaged. So be sure to check that out and share those posts. But until then, we out of here. You've been listening to the Money Monopolizers podcast. Helping you take control of your financial destiny. To learn more about how you can be in control of your money, visit MoneyMonopolizers.com. We'll catch you next time when Alex and Marlon share more personal finance and wealth creation tips with you. Now it's time to take action.